way. It's just not mechanical. Um, and so sometimes it'll, it's good to break out of that routine. Now, there's still order, and Paul told the Corinthian church, let all things be done decently and in order. I'm not talking about just a circus show, but just, just breaking out of the norm. And uh, it's good to do that. Well, I've, I've had this thought, to be honest with you, uh, on my heart for probably several months. Um, several months. And uh, I had been thinking about it for a while. And because uh, this is very uh, personal to me, uh, this passage... Uh, it's a blessing to me, it's personal to me, and it's an encouragement to me, and I've wanted to, I've wanted to preach this for a while, but just, I just never could, I never could get liberty to do it, uh, not even liberty to prepare it, but it seems to be that it would be, this would be the night that, I, that I'd preach it. So, and it might not be a big deal for you, but it's just, this is something I've been kind of meditating on for about six months. So, uh, Genesis 24. This evening, Genesis chapter number 24, I hope you'd receive a blessing from God's Word. It is inerrant, it is infallible, and it also is preserved. God preserved His Word in the authorized version. And I don't want to spend a lot of time getting into that, but you can prove it. Not only by faith, can you by faith believe in the Word of God, but God preserved it. Textual critics today do not believe that God preserved His Word. They believe that there's a certain, anyways, so I don't want to necessarily get at that. But God did preserve his word. You can, lay, you can lay them side by side down and tell that God preserved it. And so, and that's good. Some people need to validate that. And uh, so I'm thankful for that. Genesis 24 will we'll be looking down through several uh, verses uh, in Genesis there's going to be several things that we're going to be looking. We'll be in this entire chapter. Now, I want to lay some groundwork uh, for this before we get into it. You have the servant that is here, and you have Abraham, which is, uh, he was called by the Lord. He is the father of faith. And you might ask yourself, well, this is in the Old Testament. This is in the book of Genesis. What does this really have to do with me? Uh, and if you are born again here today and you are a part of the lineage of faith, this has everything to do with you because this is a preservation of the promised seed that you and I are a part of today. And so this, this chapter has everything to do with us. And Abraham here, he is coming to the close to the end of his life. His son is, uh, he needs to find a wife for his son. Because the promised seed needs to continue. The, the work that the Father has begun, that, that God has given him, is, is uh, he's fixing to pass on from this life. And Abraham has a son, and the work that God has given Abraham to do is shortly going to be passed on to Isaac. And there is a particular blessing that we can find in the scriptures whenever we look and we read about this. This is, this is a continuation of the lineage of faith. And not only is that relevant for us today, but we can find some similarities in that 
maybe the Father has prepared a work for you to do. And God is using Abraham to prepare you, Isaac, for you, the work of the future that you're going to do. And it's a big work. It's important. Isaac played a key role in the preservation of the promised seed. And Abraham set that up for him. And we're going to see that here in a minute. Uh, there are some similarities that I want to point out. But I, I want to preach on tonight about the blessing of being a servant the blessing of being a servant. My text verse is found in number 9, but we'll read in Genesis 24 between verses 1 and 10. I want to preach on the blessing of being a servant. And Abraham was old and well stricken in age, and the Lord hath blessed Abram, had blessed Abram in all things. And Abram said unto his eldest servant, unto the eldest servant of his house, that ruled over all that he had, put, I pray thee, Abraham saying, put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and I will make thee swear by the Lord God, or swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. Now he told them not to do this for the specific purpose of this would have corrupted the promised seed. Now if you read the book of Galatians, he talks about that seed and that promised seed and that seed is Christ. And you and I are children of, of, of Abraham by faith in Christ Jesus. So we're a part of this lineage that we're reading about right here. So as Abraham is doing this, he's telling the servant that I've got a work for my son to do. And you are going to be a role in preparation and preservation of this promised seed. So he says right here, but go thou unto my but thou shalt go to my unto my country and to my kindred and take a wife unto my son Isaac. And the servant said unto him, Peradventure the woman will not be willing to follow me unto this land, must I needs bring thy son again unto the land from whence thou camest. And Abraham said unto him, Beware that thou bring not my son thither again. The Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and, from, and which spake unto me, and that swear unto me, saying, Unto thy seed will I give this land. He shall send his angel before thee, and thou shalt take a wife unto my son from thence. Verse number 8, the servant says this, If the woman will not be willing to follow, or Abraham says this, I'm sorry, If the woman will not be willing to follow thee, then thou shalt be clear from this my oath, only bring not my son thither again. And the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning that matter. And the servant took ten camels of the camels of his master and departed for all the goods of his master were in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia unto the city of Nahor. Now I'll conclude my reading right there. We will travel down through because I want to connect this all together. Uh, but I have a specific purpose in why I'm, I'm delivering this message. And this, is, this could be for you. This, this could be something that you can glean from that might help you. Um, so my text verse is in verse number 9 where the, ser- the servant puts his hand under the thigh of Abraham his master and swore to him concerning the matter. And I want to take a few minutes uh, to preach to us tonight about the blessing of being a servant. Let's pray. Our Father, we do thank you for the wonderful night, the wonderful day that you've given us. We thank you for the truths of your word. 
that are so real to our hearts. Lord, we thank you that not only is your word authoritative, but it's powerful, but we know, Lord, by faith, and not only by that, that we know of a truth that your word is preserved. What a blessing and a joy that it is that you are a God, a great God, who preserveth your word, you keepeth your word. Lord, we can have comfort and power in your word. We know that this is the word of God. And I pray these people here would receive a blessing, that you would nourish their souls. Lord, you are the God who knows what we are in need of. And I pray that you might touch somebody here today, that you would help them here today. We do pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So the blessing of being... A servant. Now, every individual in the work of the Lord has a place. You, in the Lord's work, have a place. You, everybody that is a part of the body, has place. You have value. Uh, you are significant. You play an important role in in your work and in your service. You might say, well, I don't teach a class, or I don't, um, uh, I don't play the piano, or I don't, I, this is what I don't do, right? And, uh, but I want you to know that. So you can't, for example, when you're just dealing with your child, if you, just, if you just spank a kid all the time, but you never exhort him, if you never, if you never admonish him, if you never encourage him, if you don't if you don't uh, admonish him, lift him up, compliment him, help him, you just spank him all the time and just, and just do what I say when I say to do it because that's how I'm saying to do it. You see what I'm saying? And, and if we do that, what that does is that it ends up provoking him to wrath. So church members are the same exact way. You have got to be, you can't just be rebuked all the time. You have got to be admonished. You've got to be helped. You've got to be strengthened. You've got to be edified. And I want to tell you tonight... In the Lord's work, you are very much valuable in the contribution, whatever it is that you do. Everybody does not do the same thing, but this, the, the body has different operational aspects to it. There are things that you do that I do not do, and there are things that I do that, that you can't do. That doesn't mean that one is more significant than the other. I mean, my hand is really important. I mean, I work, I've got to have my hand. I've got to have the strength in my hand. I need my hands. And, and I need my feet. And if you take off my hand or my feet, they are both essential to my body. And you are, I want to say this, this is important. We're talking about everybody in the Lord's work has a place. You are an important vessel. You have value. You have dignity. You are an important part of the Lord's body. We're talking about the blessing of being a servant. Now, some servants have a place plowing and feeding the cattle. That's their, their job is to work out in the field. Their job is to take the direction from the master and to go out in the field and do what is required of, them, of him because that is what the master tells the servant to do. His obligation is to fulfill the commands of the master. Here in our text, you have a father who is fixing to pass on from this life, and he has prepared this great work. You're going to see later on that this servant goes to the city of Nahor, and he has spent years and years. uh, Now it's under the Lord's hand, the Lord's provision, the Lord's done. It's the Lord's work. But he has... 
blessed Abraham in all things. He's made Abraham very rich. Now, Abraham is in the preparation phase where he is preparing Isaac to continue on the work that he has started. Of course, God started it through him. We understand that it's God that has done this and is doing this. But what I'm saying, he has chosen to use Abraham and he has chosen to use Isaac. And uh, Rebekah played a very key role too. Isaac could not have done uh, what he did without Rebekah. Uh, Rebecca was very valuable in the life of Isaac. And I know we know that. I'm just saying that to admonish us. Isaac could not have done what he could have done without Rebecca. And so what I'm saying here in the Lord's work is we all have key roles and the blessing of being a servant. Now, the servant's role was not the same role as the son's role. He did not have the same role as the son. And we're going to see that here in a minute. We're talking about the blessing of being a servant. Now, we're talking about the father, and we're talking about the son, but we see here this servant. And he was instructed, Abraham's uh, servant was instructed to go and get a wife for Isaac to continue on the work that the father has started. And he tells his servant that you are going to go to my land. You're going to go out there and you're going to do what I'm asking you to do. I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing it, but he's telling him you're going to go out there and do what I'm asking you to do because I don't want my son uh, to be corrupted with the nations that are around him. I don't want my son to be... Uh, I don't want my seed and what I've done in my work and my labor. The father didn't want his work and his labor to be corrupted by someone that was not kin to him uh, directly. And that's why, and we're talking about the preservation of the promised seed and how that is important to us. But I want to say this first, that Abraham's servant was entrusted to fulfill his master's will. Now, Eleazar, this is who I believe that it is, though he is not named. Now, if you read earlier in the passages of Scripture, before Isaac was born, I believe Eleazar is not named uh, in this chapter because his name is not important. It's not his name that's going to continue on. Eleazar's name was not mentioned here because the servant did not have the same significance that the son was going to have. And the servant, had uh, uh, he was entrusted to fulfill his master's will. And he was to go, his commission was to go and to get a wife for Isaac. Now, and I want to say this to us that are here tonight, the significance and how this relates to us. Not only are we a part of the promised seed, but even as Abraham's servant was entrusted to fulfill his master's will in that he was commissioned to go get a son for uh, Isaac, I want to say that you and I, we as servants, have been entrusted to fulfill our master's will in that we were, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1, verse number 4, we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel. Paul says, Even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. And so we as servants, as the servants of our Lord Jesus Christ, have been entrusted to fulfill the Father's will. And God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The servant played a key role in the, the, uh, the continuation of the promised seed. But the emphasis was not on the servant. 
I want to I want to emphasize that the emphasis is not upon you and it's not upon me, but it's upon the, our Lord Jesus Christ. And to fulfill our Father's will or the Father's will concerning the Son as servants. And so Abraham's servant was entrusted to fulfill Isaac, his father's will. And that was, that was the best place that Eleazar could be. There wasn't a better place for Eleazar to be than to be able to serve. What an honor and a privilege it was for Eleazar to serve under Abraham and under Isaac. It was an honor. It was a privilege. It wasn't some, uh, it wasn't, uh, some drudgery. It wasn't something that Eleazar was like, man, I really don't want to do this, or I, I, really, I really don't like doing it. He enjoyed serving under Abraham. It was a blessing, and we as servants have been entrusted to fulfill our Father or uh, our Master's will as well. Mark chapter number 16, don't turn there, I'll just read it. Verse number 15 says, Go ye in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So even as Abraham's servant was entrusted to fulfill his master's will and to go get a bride for his son, you and I are a part of the Father's work today in that God is using you and I to prepare a bride for his son. He's using you and I to continue on the promised seed for his son. He's using you and I to continue on the work that He started for His Son. And the blessing of being a servant is that we get to do these things for the Son. The entire emphasis in what is being done and prepared was for the Son. It was not for the servant. And we'll get into that here in a minute. But I want to say this, he was, that is Eleazar, he was commissioned by the Master to carry the message unto a foreign land. Abraham told him in verse number nine, or in verse number, uh, let's look back in our text in verse number ten, uh, that he was to go unto the city of Nahor. So he was to go unto Nahor, and he was to go and get a wife for Isaac, and he was to carry the message about how how God had blessed him and how his master needed a wife and. Uh, the and this is the now Eleazar doesn't know what God's doing behind the scene. He has no idea what God's doing. He has no clue. It's really none of Eleazar's business what's going on behind the scenes. Uh, he's just supposed to go out in the field and take care of what the Father tells him to do, as a servant should. It's none of his business what's going on uh, in uh, behind the scenes. Uh, his, his only his only concern is what the uh, the what the master tells him to do. He is to obey the instructions concerning him. And so he says right here, go to the city of Nahor. So he was to carry the message unto a foreign land. And I thought about the similarities of the gospel in this servant, how you and I are commissioned to carry the, the, the message of the master unto a foreign land. Now I'm going somewhere with this, and I have a purpose to which, but there's, a, there's multiple applications. I hope you're able to follow along with what I'm really saying. There are, I'm preaching about four different topics at one time, so I hope you pay really close attention. You might get something from this tonight. I'm not just simply just taking Genesis 24 and just reading a couple of verses and just, eh. but I'm 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 making about three different times. I'm preaching about three different messages condensed in one, and this will help you today if you'll get it. And so he was commissioned to carry the master's message unto a foreign land. And Eleazar was privileged to do this. Uh, he, he counted it an honor to serve under Abraham and Isaac. It, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a, a burden to do it. He was privileged to do it. It was an honor. to. There wasn't a lot of people that got to serve under Abraham. I mean, can you count on your hand? I mean, I know he had 70 people that came out, but none of them are named specifically except Eleazar. 
And so what I'm saying is, is it was a great honor. He counted it a great honor and a privilege to serve under that who God had placed him under. There are blessings to being a servant. So he was commissioned by the master to carry the message unto a foreign land. Or you could say in verse number 10 as we continue to read that Abraham or Eleazar was Abraham's ambassador to Mesopotamia. He was Abraham's ambassador. And you'll understand what I mean here in a second. Look at verse number 10. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia unto the city of Nahor. So he was Abraham's ambassador. Abraham gave him specific instructions or a a commission, if you will. And we can liken that unto maybe the Great Commission. In that we are commissioned to go ye in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Uh, but he was Abraham's ambassador to a foreign land. Now, Abraham was from that country, but Eleazar wasn't. And so Eleazar wasn't connected to the family. He was a servant of the family. And he had a special role in that he was able to fulfill the master's will. He was Abraham's ambassador to Mesopotamia. You know, you and I are ambassadors of a heavenly country for our Lord Jesus Christ. We are able, by His wonderful grace, as after we have been born again, we've become citizens of a heavenly country. And the Bible says that Abraham looked for a city which, that had, whose builder and maker was God. And so he looked for a future city. And if, you, if you're sitting here tonight in this service and you're born again, the Scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, Now then, after... He has committed unto us the word and the ministry of reconciliation. Now then, we are presently ambassadors for Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, between verses number 18 and 21. Paul says, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. So we're talking about the blessing of being a servant. Now I want us to look at for a few moments as we continue about the character of Eleazar. Okay? The character of Eleazar. Look in verse number one. And Abraham, whenever Abraham was old, we're going to be traveling, we're going to be looking just through this, but I want to, I'm going somewhere with this, and this has purpose. And Abraham was old and well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. Now look in verse number two. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house. So he was Abraham's eldest servant. Now in the Lord's work, he, you could say that this was the Lord's work, by the way. Abraham or Eleazar had been with Abraham the longest uh, out of everybody that that Abraham had had. Now that could have been in age, or that could have been in uh, years of service. We we don't really know. It, it could have been maybe age, but the longer that I go in the Lord's work, and the longer that you go, for those of us that are in the Lord's work, there's a there's a time of growth and development. And so Eleazar was Abraham's eldest servant. And those that are seasoned, I thought about those that are seasoned in the Lord's work. You know, uh, people, for example, just getting off subject for a minute, and I believe that this is relevant, I, I overheard people asking my wife questions about, uh, do we need this, or is this something that we need? And that's good, and you're, we're all working together. But I told, I told her, just when her and I were talking, that you just, just yield yourself unto the elder. We are to yield ourselves unto the elder because when younger people are put in a position of authority before it's time for them to, it causes them to err. And um, you just I don't don't I don't misunderstand. It's not a negative or a bad thing. I'm just 
I'm just, it's my obligation to, to watch and look out for weaknesses that might be there. And so before an issue happens, I, I, I correct that before it could be an issue. And so what I'm saying is, is I'm saying that, uh, back to what we were saying, that he, he was his eldest servant. He was, he was seasoned in the Lord's work. He, he had been with Abraham. He had been with the father the longest. And as you go and continue on with God, I'm sure that there are things in your development that there, there are things that 40 years ago you have learned as a Christian. You thought, man, I've changed my mind on a lot of things. And Eleazar had been with God for a long time. He, he, had, or he had been with Abraham for a long time. He was his eldest servant. He was seasoned. Not only that, but Eleazar in his character, he was faithful. 1 Corinthians chapter number 4, verse number 2 says that it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. So Eleazar, Abraham just didn't send Eleazar out there to interact with his people uh, if he didn't trust him. Uh, there was a certain level of trust that Abraham had to his servant in order to be able to interact with whatever he told him to do. There was a certain level of trust. And as stewards in the Lord's work, there has got to be a certain level of trust. See, the Scripture says that God has entrusted us with the gospel. Not that the sufficiency is of us, but it is God who, who deems us able ministers. The Scripture says He made us able ministers of the New Testament. And so Eleazar here, he was a faithful servant. He was trusted. The master trusted him. And you don't get uh, the credibility, if you will, or in a sense of just, here I am, I'm me, and you just trust me because of who I am. That was not the mentality of Eleazar. So he had character. But I want to mention this also about Eleazar, that not only was he entrusted to fulfill the master's will, but he had a concern for the credibility of the master. He had a genuine concern for the credibility of his master. Now, you'll see what I mean. Look in verse number 34 of the same chapter. This is after he gets here, okay? Now, he goes on his, he goes on his journey. He, Abraham sends him on his journey. He gets there, and now he's sitting. He find, he, he's a comp, Praise God that Eleazar, the servant, gets to accomplish the father's will for the son. And so now Eleazar, after his journey, we're talking about he had a concern for the credibility of the master in verses 34 through 36. Uh, look, he said in verse number 34, I am Abraham's servant. So he didn't say my name is Eleazar. That's first, okay? He didn't say I'm Eleazar. He didn't say look at me, man, it's been a long journey. Sure is hot out here. You know what I'm saying? He said I'm Abraham's servant. I'm coming in Abraham's name. I'm laboring for Abraham. This is Abraham's work. This is not Eleazar's work. This is Abraham's work. So he says right here in verse number 35, The Lord hath blessed my master greatly. And he said, And he has become great, and hath given him flocks and, uh, and herds and silver and gold and men servants and maid servants and camels and asses. And verse 36, And Sarah, my master's wife, bare a son to my master when she was old, and said unto him, He hath given all that he hath. So I see in Eleazar's concern that he had a concern for the credibility, the credibility of the master in his conversation. Now, this was not just this five-minute journey where, and they didn't have cars back then, so this, this was done by, by beast or by foot. And so this was a, it was a substantial journey for Eleazar. It took work and effort and labor on his part, and it was not easy. The work that Eleazar had to do was not easy. It was very difficult. And, but he had a concern for the credibility of the master in his conversation. 
You know, whenever Eleazar got to where he was going, when he began to interact with uh, Abraham's people, he didn't say, man, I'm, it's sure hot out here. Man, I'm telling you what, man, Abraham's got me out here in these woods or I'm walking through these, this desert or I'm doing this and look at how hard it is for me. No, 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 Eleazar wasn't like that. He had a concern for the credibility of the master. He said, I'm Abraham's servant. And he begins to talk about Abraham's blessing and what Abraham does. He lifts up Abraham's work. He says, my master Abraham's the best man in the land. You can't find no better man to do this job than what you're having to do right now than my master. And that was Eleazar's mindset. He said, and Abraham is the best man in the land to be able to do uh, uh, what we're doing right now. So he had a, a concern for the credibility of his master. He did not destroy the reputation of the master with wicked conversation. There are some servants that destroy or attempted to destroy the reputation of the master with wicked conversation. It is not hard to... to and he talked about guile this morning. And Eleazar could have done that. He could have done that. He could have said, man, he's got me out here doing this. Man, they're sitting back there in them tents, and they got all them camels over there, and they're eating sheep, uh, and I'm over here doing this. Uh, he's got, but no, Eleazar counted it a privilege to do the father's work that he was preparing for the son. He was glad that he got to be a part of Isaac and Rebekah's work. It was a privilege for him that he got to be a part of that work. He, he, he counted it a joy that he was fulfilling the desires of the master as it pertains to the son, and he had a genuine concern for the credibility of the master. I wonder if we do that in our, in our hearts and in our service for our Lord. Do we have a genuine concern for the credibility of our master? Whenever people get around us, do they see? You know, I was at work one time. I was working at the dock, and it was about 3 in the morning, and I was really cranky, and I was really gripey. And a man came up to me, and he said, Man, why are you so cranky? It's 3 o'clock in the morning. I mean, I've been up. I've been up since about 4. It's 3, and I'm pushing 24 hours. He said, Why are you cranky? And I said, Man, I'm, I'm just tired, but really, I'm really happy. And if you knew where I was going... You would, you, 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 I, I stumbled my words. I couldn't get it out because the, the count, my countenance was not manifesting the joy of the Lord in my life. And come to find out, he's a, he's a, a Christian that's, that's not faithful. I mean, he's a watered down, I mean, we're talking just a liberal Christian. And, he, and, I'm, and it condemned me that someone who most likely does not know the Lord has more joy than I do. And I'm supposed to be a servant of my God. And when people see us as Christians, do we have a genuine concern for the credibility of the master? Or is this, is this, a div- is this task too difficult for us? Is, it, is, it, is, this a, is this too much of a burden? Is this too hard for us as individuals in the Lord's work? Eleazar was not like that. His main priority in his life... now. He had other, other, other things. I'm sure maybe he had a family, for example, or maybe he had, maybe he had a, a other work to do beside what he did for Abraham. Who knows? We, we don't know what Eleazar did other than this. But what he does right here is he, he goes to the people that Abraham tells him to go, uh, the place that he has assigned him to go, and he talks about the credibility of the master with his conversation. Are we like that in our Christian service? Do people see the joy of the Lord in us? Are we, when they see us, do they see something different in us? Or they just say, man, I, I really don't want what they got because they are never happy. 
Why would I want what they got and they are never happy? I mean, do, do people see me and want to come to church? Do people, did, I mean, when, when, when Eleazar got there, man, he was so excited. I mean, let me tell you about how rich and how prosperous my master has become. I mean, he's the greatest in all the land. He's got flocks, he's got herds, he's got camels, he's got asses. I mean, he's got all these things. Eleazar was saying, man, look, and are we like that for our master when it comes to fulfilling the master's will? Or is it just another church service? There is a blessing in being a servant. It's a different gear gear tonight, but you can't go 100 miles an hour all the time. But he had a concern. Now, not only in his conversation, but in his conduct. We're talking about the blessing of being a servant. It's a privilege. The blessing of being a servant. Not only in his conversation, but in his conduct. Look at verse number 47. He says, Then I asked her and said, Who art thou? Now he's, he's talking about, he's giving his testimony. He meets her, he sees her, and he's talking about when he meets her and everything like that. In verse number 40, And I asked and said, Who art thou? And he said, The, man, the daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milcah bare unto him. And I, right here, this is why. We're talking about his conversation, but not only that, and the character of Eleazar, but his conduct. And I put the earrings upon her face and the bracelets upon her hands. So he takes what the master tells him to do, the provision of the master, and he goes and does what he's told to do with what the master tells him to do. Do you not think that Eleazar, as he continued on with Abraham, did not learn, uh, began to learn more? And, and Abraham trusted Eleazar with those earrings. So he, what I'm saying is he, he was able to take the possessions of the master with him out of the side of the master. Do you not think that as Abraham's servant continued to go on that he could not have used the master's trust uh, in a personal or maybe private way? Uh, Eleazar could have pocketed those earrings and used something on the side and tried to do something on the side without the master knowing. He could have went there and he said, Hey, you know, my master's over there and I, he's got, I got these golden earrings in my pocket. Um, we're, just, we're talking about what Eleazar could have done. And the more that he grew with Abraham, the more knowledge that he obtained, he was able to do things that other servants were not able to do. He, he gained uh, more knowledge than he had been with Abraham. But he did not take his earrings. He did not take uh, advantage, if you want to say, about the credibility of the master. And that is proven with his conduct because he did what was, what was told to do of him with what the master gave him. Now he could have abused that. He could have taken the trust that Abraham gave him uh, and he could have used that on the side and kept it in his, in, his, in his pocket and then said all those things to Abraham's people and then uh, uh, not given her the earrings. I'm not saying that, that I'm just saying he could have done that. And we're going to mention that. Do you know that uh, Elijah, used, or not Elisha, but uh, Gehazi used the credibility of his master for unrighteous gain? You know, uh, Eleazar was a servant who loved the master. He had a special relationship with Abraham and Isaac, and he loved them dearly. But Gehazi, Eleazar did not use the credibility of the master for unrighteous gain, but Gehazi did. Whenever in the book of 2 Kings chapter number 5, whenever Naaman the Syrian, the mighty man of valor, got healed from his leprosy, uh, 
Elisha did not take anything from him because he did not want to be chargeable. He wanted all the glory to be to God, and Naaman tried to just give him all the stuff, and he said, I'm not going to take it. So Naaman goes on. Well, what does Gehazi do? Gehazi uses the credibility of his master's name for unrighteous gain. He goes and he says, man, Elisha, he's crazy. He didn't take nothing from him. Man, I'm telling you what. And Gehazi, I mean, Gehazi probably had a lot less than Elijah did. He probably had a lot less. I mean, he's probably, he's probably pushing it. He probably had a lot less. And what a Gehazi did is Gehazi said, okay, well, uh, uh, I'll just go to Naaman and I'll just uh, concoct this story and I'll just use the credibility of my master and I'll get something out of this. It, it won't be no big deal. Nobody will know. So what he does, he goes to Naaman and he says, my master hath sent me. We're talking about how Eleazar had a concern for the credibility of the master. And he proved that with his conversation and he proved that with his conduct. And because it's a blessing to be a servant. But he went over to Naaman and he said that uh, my master hath sent me. And so he used the name of Elisha improperly. And he got struck with leprosy for it. And he's probably still dealing with that chastisement today. His leprosy is going to be a couple years. So what am I saying? What am I telling us? I'm telling us that there are blessings of being a servant. Now, I want to say this. That Eleazar was a servant that knew, to, knew the Lord. It's important for us as servants. You, you can't be a servant unless you know the Father. You can't, you're not going to be able to be... Uh, to do uh, the will of the Father unless you truly have a relationship with Him. Now, Eleazar was a servant that knew the Lord. He had, and I want to say this about him, he had a desire to obey the Master's Word. There was a genuine desire within him to obey what he was told to do. Uh, Obedience is the major mark of a Christian. Obedience to the Word of God. Obedience to, to what you are commanded to do. Uh, in my work and what I do for the Master, I am commanded to do a certain task. Uh, I, I'm commanded to do the task that the Master commands me to do. Eleazar was not... He, he, he did not take commands from the sons of Heth. You know what I mean? I mean, whenever Abraham was bearing his... his, his, his Eleazar, Abraham held a special place in Eleazar's heart in that... He was able to command him to go and to do and to do all these things. But the sons of Heth did not tell Eleazar what he was going to do. They, they did not tell him, Abraham is building that sepulcher for Sarah after she dies. And you don't see anywhere else where any of Abraham's relatives or anybody that Abraham is uh, buying land for or doing this for, doing this for. Eleazar did not take commands from anybody else except his master. And I want to say that the holy commands of our God come directly from our Master. There is no Pope. There is no hierarchical authority. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. And there is one person that we take commands from. Now, I'm not talking about uh, leadership and all that, but I'm talking about uh, in the Lord's work and in the Lord's service. And I'm, making, I'm, making, I'm drawing parallels, and I hope, you're, I hope you're understanding what I'm saying. So he was a servant that knew the Lord. Not only that, but he had a desire to obey the Master's word. And in your service, in order to be an effective servant, you will have to desire to obey the Master's word. Now, when I say this, listen, age has nothing to do with it, okay? 
Now, I know people are young, and, and they can be inexperienced, and that's true, but if that Bible says friendship with the world is enmity against God, it says friendship with the world is enmity against God. I'm using that as an example. You don't have to be 45 years old to understand that. You don't have to be 28, uh, 20. Listen, if that is a truth that is real in your life, and what I'm saying, I'm just using that as an example that Eleazar had a desire to obey the Master's word. Do we tonight have a desire to obey our Master's word? Is the word of the Master more important than our own desires? Or our own desires, do our own desires really, really, uh, uh, does what we do and want to do more interesting to us? It was not like that. Eleazar, he went to do what the Master told him to do. He had a desire to obey the Master's word. Now look in verse number 12. Not only did he have a desire to obey the Master's word, but he had personal prayer concerning the Master's will. Verse number 12 in our text. And he said, O Lord God of my Master Abraham, I pray thee. So he had a prayer life. So he had an active, he had an active life in obedience to the word. If you're going to be an effective Christian, you have got to have an active life in obedience to the word. That there's no other way around that. Obedience, he told Saul whenever he went to sacrifice, behold, to obey is better than to sacrifice. Obedience is what pleases God. Christ-likeness is what pleases God. God is not pleased with my works. He is not pleased with my thoughts. He's not pleased with what I can do or what I can give. What God is pleased with in service and in life is Christ-likeness. And you, the whole purpose of our service is to pattern our lives after Jesus Christ. And when we're judged as servants, it's not how good did I do or did I not do. Did I live my life the way that Jesus tells me to and I am commanded to obey in the Scriptures? That is, that, that is uh, Eleazar was obedient to the commands of the Master. He had a desire to obey the Master's word. And being an effective servant, in order to be an effective servant, you will have to be obedient to the Master's word if you're going to be effective. Now, he had personal prayer, so he had an obedient, obedience to the Master's word, and he had personal prayer concerning the Master's will. So he prays in verse number 12, I pray thee, send me good speed this day, and show kindness unto my Master Abraham. He did not pray to God and say, Oh Lord, why, uh, why do I have to go do this today? He said, Lord, I hope, look, he said, God, I hope this works out. I hope that this thing is able to continue on. I hope you're able to continue on this work and this labor. And I'm just thankful that I get to be a part of it. And he prayed to, the, he prayed to God and he had personal prayer concerning the Master's will. So it, what I'm saying is it meant something to him. There's a blessing in being a servant. So not only did he have a desire to obey the Master's word, or did he have personal prayer concerning the Master's will, but he also honored the Lord and had public worship. Now, in verse number 26, I'll show you. Let's go over to verse number 26. We've seen that he had a desire to obey the word in verse number 10. He had a personal prayer concerning the Master's will in verses 12 and 13. And he honored the Lord and had public worship. Verse number 26, let's look. And a man, that is Eleazar, bowed down his head, and what did he do? He worshipped the Lord. Eleazar was a servant that knew the Lord. And he, and he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left my master destitute of his mercy and truth, I being in the way the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. 
Now let's look in verses 48, 48 through 52. And I bowed down my head and I worshipped the Lord. So there's worship again. So he, had, he honored the Lord and he had public worship. So he has a desire to obey the word. He had a personal prayer life concerning the Master's will. And he desired to honor the Lord and have public worship. In order to be an effective Christian, you're going to have to have Bible study time. You're going to have to have a prayer life. And you're going to have to frequently attend worship if you're going to be an effective servant. John 4.24 says, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And so we're talking about how Eleazar was a servant that knew the Lord. But not only that, he was a servant that was subject to his master. Now I want to show us something right here that is actually quite interesting. Uh, Turn over to the beginning of the chapter and look at verse number 12. Look at verse number 12, okay? We're talking about he was a servant that was subject to his master. In verse number 12, he said, O Lord, a God of... My master, okay? Still in verse number 12 at the very end, show kindness unto my master. Skip down to verse number 14 concerning Rebekah, at the very end of the verse. Thou hast showed kindness unto my master. All right, now I want you to look in verse number 27 of the same chapter. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master, Abraham, who have not left destitute of my master. The Lord led me into the way of the house of my master's brethren. And then in verse number 34, I am Abraham's servant. Verse number 35, the Lord hath blessed my master. Verse number 36, my master. Verse number 36, as we continue on, it occurs twice, my master. Verse 37, my master. Verse number 39, my master. Uh, Verse number 42, go down and skip there and look. He says again, my master. Uh, Verse 44, uh, my master's son. So the same reverence that Eleazar showed for the master, he showed for his master's son. He looked at them the same way. He wasn't that he was any less. He just he honored them the same way, just as he honored Abraham. That's the same way he honored Isaac. And so as we keep going on, I want to show you how many times this occurs because it really is of significance. We're talking about he was a servant that was subject to his master. In verse number forty-eight, my master uh, cursed twice. In verse number forty-nine, it says again, my master. Uh, if you skip down to verse number 54, at the end of the very end, it says, My master. Uh, if you look at 56, at the very end, he says again, My master. Uh, and then if you look in verse 65, for he said, this is whenever they continue to go on, and Rebekah looked at Isaac. And again, whenever his servant uh, had said, and the servant had said again, what did he say concerning Isaac? It is my master. So... He did not, Eleazar did not look at Abraham and say that he's any less because uh, he might have a place of prominence, for example, let's use it in the community. It didn't mean that he was any less valuable. He was very much important. And so what I'm saying here is I'm saying the blessing of being a servant, and there's a blessing of being a servant in that we get to follow the example that is set before us. The greatest example of a servant that is set before us in the scriptures is Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter two, verse number uh, Philippians chapter two, verse number five through eleven, Paul says, "Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but what did he do? He made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant. It was made in the likeness of men. What in being found fashioned as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto even un, obedient unto that." even the death of the cross. Wherefore, all these things that I've mentioned, we're talking about the example of the service of Jesus Christ, wherefore, all these things God hath highly exalted Him. 
that he has given him a name that is above every name, that is the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess the, to the glory of God, that, or that Jesus Christ is Lord of the glory of God. So what am I saying? He was a servant that was subject to the will of his master. My master occurs 20 times. It occurs 20 times. What I'm saying in his conversation, that was the emphasis. That was that, what was important in his life. What he was passionate about. What mattered to Eleazar was that the father's work continue on to the son. And that Isaac and Rebekah continued on the work because it was the Lord's work. The servant's passionate about the Lord's work. He doesn't care. The, the marks of an effective servant, he's, he, he's not selfish. He, 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 doesn't, he doesn't care about self-notoriety. He doesn't care about his name. His name is not important. It's not what people think about Eleazar. It's about what people are going to think about Isaac. Isaac is going to be the one that continues this thing forward. Isaac is going to be the one that the promise continues to go through. And Eleazar had a prominent role in Isaac's success. And he was thankful to God that he was able to do it. And it was a blessing to him to do it. He did not, everything that was being done was prepared for the son. Get this, there was no preparation made for the servant because the servant was not important. But also this, the servant had no resentment toward the master because he wasn't doing the same thing for him. You know, most people think that, oh, well, they're doing this for them, so they're entitled to do it for me because of who I am. And that's the culture of our society today. And Eliezer was like, man, he ain't doing that for me. And I'm not getting this stuff. I, I don't get this. That wasn't, his, that wasn't his thought. He was thinking, man, this is such a, what a great privilege that I get to do this for these people. It is a great honor and a privilege. There is a blessing in being a servant. I'm so thankful that I get to do this. Everything that had been prepared for now was being prepared for the son. So the father's work could continue. In the parable of the marriage supper in Matthew 22, who was it for? It was for the son. The father told his servants, you go out there into the highways and hedges and you compel them to come. You go out there and do what I'm asking you to do so I can make preparations for my son. And the blessing of being a servant is that understanding the father's will because there is a higher purpose in the work of God than just serving for today. You have been placed in God's body. There is a higher work of God at work in your life that you have been. This this isn't just some random work that this just happens. Eliezer would just well, just just not really a big deal. It was a, a very important deal. We're talking about the the propagation of the promised seed here. You and I are a part of that seed. Galatians is very clear in that. So this was a very big deal. We're talking about the continuation of the Lord's work. And you and I are a part of that. So Matthew 22, the marriage supper, it was for the son. Uh, the father sent forth his son to call them that were bid to the wedding. And the prodigal son, the emphasis was not on the servants. When that, though the son, see the servants had been there the whole time. I mean the servants were there when the son wasn't there. You see what I'm saying? The, the son had left for a little while. The son wasn't there. The son, there was a period of time where the son wasn't there. And uh, he had left the father. But when he came back to the father, the servants didn't say, man, he's been gone. What is, what is it? You know, some of the servants were like, man, he's been gone. Look at what I'm not getting. You know, some of the servants, the wicked servants of the father, were probably saying, well, man, look at what he's been gone this whole time. And they, I could just imagine that servant, that ungodly, slothful, wicked servant just chattering in the ear of the other servants all day long about what's not being done for them. 
Matter of fact, I know people do it. I mean, just all day long, just chattering in the ear about what's not being done for them. And they've got it made. I mean, even as a servant, they've got it made. And so what I'm saying, when the son came back to the father, he said, you go prepare a robe. For my, go bring forth my son the best robe. He didn't put the best robe on the servant. He didn't put forth the ring on the servants. He said, I want my son to have the best robe. My son's going to have the best that I have to give him. He's going to receive the best. And I want my servants to play a key role in making sure this is done for my son. There is a blessing in being a servant. Abraham's servant accomplished the will of his master because of the special love that he had for him. And the only thing that's going to help you be effective and serve God in our time is you're going to have to have a special love for God. Amen. Do you know why people aren't here tonight? It's not. It's, I know that people hurt. I'm not being insensitive. I'm, I'm, I've come a long way from where I was about a couple years ago. I've grown. I told, I told a man the other day, I'm a lot more different than you think I am. But what I'm saying is, is Abraham's servant accomplished the will of his master because of the special love that he had for him. Do you know that he, Eliezer had a special particular love with Abraham and Isaac? And if he didn't have that special and particular love, he wouldn't have continued to do it. Because trust me, there were times when it got hard. It was not an easy task. Eleazar was, was, was staying busy night and day. It ain't easy. But he wanted to continue to do it because, because he knew that it was of value and that it was the Lord's work. We are a part of the Lord's work. The preservation. I know it's not a hallelujah shout message, but this really has, this is, this is very impactful. This is truth in your life that I hope you glean from. He had a particular love for Isaac. He cared for Isaac. He really did. And I'm telling you what, I mean, Isaac was, that man, that's Isaac. That's Abraham, you know what I'm saying? It was a particular love that he had for them. Uh, I want you to turn to Exodus 21. Let's look at this. Uh, he comes back and he brings the, the servant. Uh, we're talking about the blessing of being a servant. I know it's a different kind of message, but that's okay. Every, every message... Uh, it's not a hallelujah shout message. Um, but uh, I'm trying to get a point across. I've wanted to preach this for a while. And so uh, this is a blessing. Okay, Exodus 21. We're talking about the will of the master and how the servant accomplished that. He did accomplish that. Uh, verse number 21 in Exodus chapter number... Uh, Exodus 21, verse number 1. Now these are the judgments which thou shalt set before him. This is the law of a servant, and servitude and service. We're just talking about the blessing of being a servant. If thou buy a Hebrew servant, six years he shall serve, and in the seventh he shall go out free for nothing. If he came in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he were married, then his wife shall go out with him. So this servant right here had been serving in the same place for a long time. Uh, and so Moses is setting forth a law. If his master had given them a wife and she had born sons or daughters, if he had built a life in a community among these people, meaning that this servant had established a community, he had built a life, he had established a reputation, um, he, had, he had become a prominent servant, servant maybe perhaps in the midst of the family. He wasn't family, but he became a prominent servant. 
Uh, well, no doubt, maybe the servant had contemplated several times, well, maybe it's, maybe it's time to, to continue on the Lord's work elsewhere. Maybe it's time to perhaps to, you just, you just never know. I'm just saying because here it goes. He has an opportunity. We're talking about the servant having an opportunity to go, okay? So if the master, verse number four, had given him a wife, and we're talking about how he's building his life and bear her children and shall be her, her masters and she shall go by himself. But right here, verse number five, this is where I want to get to. We're talking about the blessing of being a servant. This is just a cross-reference. But if he say, I love my master, my wife, my children, I will not go out free. Right here in verse number 6, Then his master shall bring him unto the judges, and he shall bring him unto the door, or unto the doorpost. Right here. And his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. So this is out of a love that a servant has for a master because he's good. The master's good. Is Jesus Christ not good to you all tonight? I mean, is he not just a wonderful God? I mean, is he not a God that is... Now, I know, don't tear me apart. I understand Paul says, Wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son. I'm very well aware of what he talks about and how we're joint heirs with Christ. But he also talks about in Romans 6 that we're servants to God. So understand what I'm saying. This message has about four different applications, if you can glean from it. Now, if you've only received one, then I've, that's good. I've done my job. But hopefully you've received all four. You know what I'm saying? But what I'm saying is, is this servant right here, he said, I love my master. He said, I don't want to go. Why would, why would I want to leave the comforts of the master? The master is good to me. Man, I, I, can't, I see other people leave. I'm thinking, why in the world would they want to leave? Because they're not committed. They're not dedicated to ensuring... I'm talking about Abraham and Isaac and Eleazar. They're not committed to seeing Isaac's success, so it doesn't matter to them. It's just a place of service. This servant was committed to seeing the success of Isaac. Abraham's will mattered to him. Why? Not because of Abraham. Just Abraham's just so important. It's just, wow, Abraham's just so cool. It wasn't even the significance of Abraham. Abraham really didn't matter either. He was a sinner just like everybody else. It's just his work was God's work. See, and what mattered to the servant is that he was doing this as a representative for God. So since Abraham's service and work and labor that God had built up and established, he's passing that on to his son, that meant something to Eleazar because Eleazar was concerned with God's work. Eleazar ain't worried about what, well, what am I going to do for God? If Eleazar wants to go out there and do something for God, he can just leave right at them doors and go stand out there in Walmart and do something for God. He don't have to sit there and wait for someone else to do something for him. Do we understand what I'm saying? Is that, do we get that? I'm not talking about people, oh, why isn't it being done for me? Go work for it. Amen. Okay, so this is what I'm saying. I'm talking about the master and he boring his ear. He shall serve him forever. Now, I wrote this down. It was good. I'm almost done. But I wrote this down, and it was, it was very good. It was very good. And Brother Tim actually touched on it tonight. About the law, about us culturally, about the cultural custom of that day when an Israelite servant did this. It says, This act was not prescribed in the law as to be anything shameful. It wasn't a shame. It wasn't a... It wasn't a the servant taking a low place, that's what Jesus Christ did for you and I. Do y'all know Jesus Christ took a low place for you and I? He made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. But 
It said this about the cultural aspect about boring an ear through all, but it was allowed because of the love and the allegiance of love was prized more highly than loveless personal freedom. So the liberty and the freedom that the servant got to experience did not mean as much to him as staying with those that were connected to him as far as in his service. So what I'm saying is that to the servant, it was important. It mattered. The work of Abraham and the continuation thereof mattered to Eleazar. Did Eleazar receive the same blessings? No, and he shouldn't have. He's a servant. He knows his place. He knows what he's supposed to do. He's not ignorant of that. But I'm saying this. I thought about that and it struck me odd. It was allowed because of the love and the allegiance of love was prized more highly than the than loveless personal freedom. That meant that the what his will did not matter. What he wanted to do did not matter. His goals, his aspirations, his dream, what he wanted to do does not matter. And in the Lord's work and in the Lord's service, what you and I, our aspirations, our dreams, our reputation does not matter. What matters is the reputation of the Master and how am I representing Him. How do I represent Jesus Christ in my life? That is what matters. Not what people think about me. Most people don't even like me. Most people don't like me. But Paul said, for if I preach to please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. And so you don't intentionally make people not like you. It's just when you deal with people every day in their life about sin, they're not going to like you. And that's okay. And that's okay. The gospel is not going to make everybody like you. But what I'm, what I'm saying is, is the, the, the will of the master meant more than the selfish desires of the servant. That's what mattered. Because the father's work was the Lord's work. And not everybody that was rich in the land that did the same thing as Abraham, theirs didn't matter. It was just carnal gain. But the work of the master mattered so much because it was blessed by God. It was, it was, it was, it was blessed by God. So what other, pe- other people's cattle didn't matter. Do we understand that? Does everybody understand what I'm saying? Other people's gold didn't matter. Other people's silver and their camels and their asses, it didn't matter because it was not blessed by God. But you know what mattered? It, Abraham's work mattered because the hand of God's blessings was upon it. And Eleazar was thankful that he got to be a part of the small work that he did for God. One more thing and then I'll be through. Turn to Romans chapter number 6. We're talking about servants. And I thought about that and Brother Glenn was talking at Romans chapter number 6. We're just running some references. I've, just, I've got some liberty tonight, but I've, all, I've wanted to preach this for several months. I just couldn't. I just, I just didn't have liberty, and, but, I, but I do now. I've got, I've got good liberty to preach it. And um, Romans chapter number 6. We're talking about the blessing of being a servant. And I thought about that, and the allegiance to the Master has, has figuratively speaking, has the whole, have you loved the Master so much that the Holy Ghost has borne your ear through with an all that you get to serve the Master continually? I mean, can you say as a servant of God, I'm so thankful that I can testify before God's people that I've got, a, I've got an all born through my ear. I'm totally sold out and dedicated to the Master's work. I'm talking about the heavenly calling now. Let's look at Romans chapter number 6 and then I'll be done. I don't mean to keep you for so long. Romans 6, let's look at verse number 16. We're talking about after we've pledged our allegiance to the Master, our ear has borne... We're talking about after salvation. After salvation. 
Know ye not to whom that ye yield yourselves servants to obey? His servants are ye hard to whom ye obey. Whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. We're talking about the servants of sin and the servants of righteousness. We're talking about after that ear has been born through. And after that ear has been born through, you can be a servant to God. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine that was delivered you. That's why this is not personal to the people that just come and go. They come and go. They come and go. It's just another spot because I'm in church work now. Because they have not obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine that was delivered them. That's why people can just come and go, come and go. I haven't been here for that long, but I've been here long enough to see people come and go, come and go. I know you have. I'm not, I don't mean that. I'm not trying to just say. But what I'm saying is I've, I've been here long enough that I've seen people come. I've seen people go, make a profession of faith. I've seen people come and go several times. Some of which are my own relatives. You're, yours too. So what am I saying? I'm saying that... that in the Lord's work, they have not obeyed from that form of doctrine which was delivered them. But right here, verse number 18, being made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. I'm so thankful, my, my brothers and sisters, that I am a servant of righteousness. I don't, I don't fear. I've got somebody dwelling on the inside of me that when things get wrong, I've got to fix it immediately. I've got to fix it immediately. I've, it's got to be fixed immediately. And I'm thankful that I can testify before God's people that I have experienced this in my life. This is a real, genuine experience in my life. Right here, being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. That's uh, post-conversion. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh, for ye have yielded your members as servants to uncleanness unto iniquity. We're talking about the blessing of being a servant. Even now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. Now, I know Eleazar was an Old Testament example. I'm just running across reference. I'm talking about the blessing, of, the blessing of being a servant. We get to be servants of righteousness. I don't have to be a slave to sin anymore. I don't, I don't have to uh, be a, a, a Gehazi. I don't, I don't have to take... See, a Gehazi took the grace of God and turned it into lasciviousness. Because he, 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 took, he took God's grace, if you want to liken it unto this just in type... And he took God's grace and turned it into lasciviousness. And that's what people who have not experienced true salvation do with what we're reading here today. Right here, verse number 20. For you were the servants of sin, you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. Right here, verse 21. What fruit had ye in those things we are now of shame? For the end thereof are the things of death. Right here. Being now made free from sin, you become, right here, (coughs) you become servants to God. Eleazar was a servant who served for a higher purpose. And he understood that. He understood his role in service. And when you find your place in the Lord's work, and you don't try to be something that you're not, you don't try to uh, uh, push yourself through, and, and you, just, you, you take your place in the Lord's work where you are, who God has made you to be, there is blessing in being a servant. And you know the end result. Eleazar comes back, man. He sees Rebecca, and then he sees her. He they take each other to wife, and her people said, "You're fixing to be blessed. You're 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 going to be the ble- you're going to be the most blessed woman in all the land." I mean, there's not in all the land there's not going to be a more blessed woman than you, and that's what her people said. 
And so you know what happens. Abraham and has Isaac, and Isaac has Jacob and Esau, and the promised seed is passed through. But we're ta- tonight we were talking about the preservation of the promised seed, the continuation of God's work, and what it means to be a servant thereof, and how you and I get to be servants in the continuation of God's work. Because what matters is the will of the master and not the selfish desires of the servant. There are blessings in being a servant. Well, I hope you 